All right, everybody, welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. There used to be a guy who used to do an echo every time I did Innovation Crush. He would go, Innovation Crush. Um, but he crossed me. No, <laughs> no. Uh, in case you guys are just now tuning in, um, this is a show that covers all things innovation, marketing, ideas, creativity, points of inspiration, hopefully, for your own ideas in the marketplace. Um, and today we have with us a gentleman by the name of Jeffrey Spar. Do you want to go by the Jeff or Jeffrey? What, was your, what would your mom say? Oh, my mother goes with Jeffrey because I'm usually in trouble, but oh, okay. Jeff, is, Jeff is okay. As long as I'm not in trouble here. <laughs> Uh, you never know. We got we got some time to talk. Okay. <laughs> um, so give us the one hundred and one on uh, Jeff Spar. Who who are you? What do you do? Um, I'm I'm a little disappointed that I didn't get to see the trench coat, the the infamous trench coat. But I feel like one day it'll be on display in a museum. That's right. But feel free to to explain to the people what I mean by that. All right. Well, cool. <laughs> um, I'm certainly a guy with uh, with a story. I mean, everybody's got a story. I'm I'm, I'm one with one. You know, quick uh, backstory is, uh, you know, grew up in uh, Rhode Island, went to a prep school and on to Ohio State, the Ohio State University. Oh. I'm sorry. I went to Michigan State. So well, let's see. Interview, interview over. OK, interview over. Uh, thank you for having <laughs> me. Uh, and the, uh, and uh, actually played sports, went there on tennis scholarship, graduated uh, when I was 23. Uh, was working in my family's business in the textile business and looked like I had the uh, the world at my feet, as they say. Yes. And little uh, did I know I was, you know, I was going crazy and I didn't know what the hell was going on with me. You were literally going crazy. Literally going crazy. And I uh, didn't know what was happening. And uh, fortunately, you know, for me, you know, I found my way to a, a psychiatric hospital, was diagnosed with uh, OCD which is obsessive compulsive disorder. And, uh, you know, for the last 27 years, you know, fought a debilitating illness that uh, every day in my life. What, what was the what was the breaking point for you medically when you're like, oh, wait, now there's something. Yeah, something's wrong. I mean, when it, you know, it was impacting my life, I mean, my day to day life, you know, where uh, you know, I was getting these these bad thoughts and taking up a lot of my time and finally broke me down and said, I got to get help. And uh, as I tell people, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones. Right. So uh, I got diagnosed and I got help. Yeah. And, uh, you know, through uh, medication, um, a loving and supportive uh, family, friends and network and uh, painful, you know, exposure therapy that I do to this day. Uh, right. You know, I've been able to lead a, you know, productive life. I got What's exposure therapy? Exposure therapy uh, basically, you know. When somebody uh, flashes you? Yeah. yeah, no, yes, that could be that as well. But, uh, <laughs> you know, basically it's... Um, it's exposing yourself to what you fear most. Oh wow! And uh, in the hope that uh, you know, it, you know, eventually it'll knock, you know, inoculate yourself. Right. So it's really, really difficult work, and not everybody can do it. But you know, through that combination of stuff, you know, uh, I've been able to, to, you know, to have a, you know, a, a great life. But uh, fighting it all along, and then as, as fate would have it, as I tell people about uh, maybe 20 years ago, so I was coming home from work one day, and somebody told me that uh, you know, painting might be good for me. I never painted a goddamn day in my life. And, uh, but when you're desperate, you know, like you paint a house paint or no, I'm talking a... about painting. And, uh, but as I, I tell people when you're desperate, you know, you'll try anything. So I stopped at the uh, local paint store and uh, picked up a bunch of supplies and came home and you've seen uh, Forrest Gump yes. and how he ran. Yes. You're looking uh, at the Forrest Gump of painting. The you Forrest know? Gump of painting. Yeah. And I never, I, I think we just came up with the title of this episode. Uh, there you go. For And I never stopped. Then it, it literally changed the course of, uh, of, That's my, amazing. of my life. And uh, Did you have any like artistic exposure zero. at all? 
No, zero. No singing, no... Nope. No, I always say... Tambourine or... No, I always say fortunate for the world I didn't sing, you know, (laughs) but the... uh, No, I just tried it and a bunch of things happened, you know? I mean, it uh, gave me, you know, kind of a sense of control that mental illness robs you of. Right. Uh, It also provided me um, some peace of mind. Right. I was so desperate for and kind of this, uh, you know, blank canvas, if you will. Um, I think, you know, in life, personal or business, sometimes you can't control what was happening. Right. But when I painted, uh, I was in control and I was the boss and that was invigorating to my soul. And then uh, I also was able to kind of communicate to people through my own paintings and images, right. you know, paintings like, you know, Half Daddy and Stop the Madness and Getting Better. What was going on? You yeah. Know, and uh, but and then last and most unexpectedly, uh, I was pretty good at it, which came as a shock for a guy who has no clue what the hell he's doing. <laughs> and uh, what ends so up, how long has it been so far? Right. Like when did from, I started from paint, first painting to, to now? Uh, probably 20 years. Wow. 20 years. And then, uh, you know, as as fate would have it again, uh, my work kind of got like a cult following and people started collecting it and it found its way to some, you know, personal collections and galleries and, uh, you know, like the Grammys music cares. I mean, it's crazy. Right. And it got to the point people were like buying my, my artwork and I got embarrassed, you know, it'd be like you sitting here and saying, Hey Jeff, I like that painting. How much, right. how much is that baby? And you know, so I, where's uh, the embarrassment come from? Like what? Yeah, like- just, I mean, they, they ended up getting sold for quite a bit of money and I was embarrassed to mm. do the, 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 the financial exchange. Right. So I had an idea for that. I had, uh, my cousin, Matt, who's, uh, hey, Matt. Who's in the studio with like me right socks. here. What is it? This polka dots, <laughs> sky blue. That was a teal. You probably know colors better than I do. Teal and with yellow polka dots. It's a lot going on. There's a real socks. Matt had a, a small marketing company and uh, I asked him if he would uh, kind of be my agent, if you will, if right. I could be so uh, bold. And Matt was not bashful. And a couple of months later, he had a one man show for me. And, you know, sounds like I'm on Broadway or something, right? One man show. <laughs> How ridiculous, right? John Legazamo. That's right. Who am I? Uh, the so. John Legazamo of painting. Hey, why not, right? <laughs> Forrest Gump, I thought I was him. But that's well, right. it, I could be two Depends people. on what you're doing. It's, okay. It's, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. So uh, a couple months later, Matt uh, had this one man show for me. And he comes up to me at the end of the night. And uh, I said, how'd it go? He says, you're not going to believe this, dude. He says, uh, sold $15,000 artwork. I said, you got to be kidding me. So he looks at me and he says, hey, what do you want to do with the, the money? And initially I didn't know. And then I said, you know what? I said, I paint makes me feel good. Maybe to help others. Two weeks huh. later, I showed up on a uh, children's psychiatric ward with a uh, bag of supplies over my shoulders and uh, at a hospital that uh, not only was I a board member of, but I was, I was a patient and I wow. started. And I just completely, you know, stumbled on this thing, you know, and right from the beginning, I saw how impactful it was on, uh, on everybody, including myself and staff and family and the kids and patients. Right. And, uh, you know, that, that, well, let's back up a second because you, you seem fairly together, right? You know, when you, when you describe yourself at one point in your life as crazy, got right? you faked out, don't I? Well, <laughs> I'm a little nervous. No, I'm, uh, th- th- I'm wondering, you know, you have a really good metaphor on how you explain what OCD is. Right. I, I think a lot of times, you know, people watch Monk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like there's, they get it, but it's kitschy. It's, you know, it's kind of put in this comedic context yeah. or you just kind of like, oh, it's just yeah. one of those things. Uh, but you talk about this idea of losing a child. Yeah. 
Uh, can you can you go yeah, into that? Yeah, I bit? mean, as you mentioned, the OCD has kind of become a uh, popular illness, and you know, people think of it as kind of this this checking illness, or you know, the doors or hand washing. Um, when in fact, it's uh, it's a lot more, and uh, you know, it comes with you know these terrible thoughts that come into your mind that you just can't get rid of. Um, but the thing that's hard to explain, you know, and people, this is what they always want to know: what's it like? Mm-hmm. What's that? That you know, it throws off incredible levels of anxiety. And I liken that to, you know, being in an airport. I mean, you have a small uh, child, right? Yes. You're in the airport. I think so. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> uh, you're sitting in a, uh, you know, an airport. You turn around for a minute and then you turn back and there's no kid. I think everybody can kind of understand that, that level of anxiety. For someone like myself, I can have that same level of anxiety that you have over a lost child, over something completely ridiculous. And it can go on for, you know, hours. It can go on for, you know, days on end. Right. And, uh, you know, on top of it, it fuels you into like compulsions and things that you, you do to try to lower the anxiety. So it's a, it's a really, you know, crappy combination. You know, uh, as I explain to people all the time, you know, uh, mental illness is tough. Right. You know, people are asking me all the time why. And I said, you know, two reasons, invisible and misunderstood. That's a tough combination. Hmm. You know, if you can't. Oh, can't, it's an invisible illness. Right. If right. Right. If you can't see it to your point, it all looks pretty good right. here, right? You know, uh, it all, um, you know, if you can't see it and you can't understand it, you know, how do, how do you yeah, go Yeah, then how do you even approach somebody exactly. about it? Yeah. So. Um, that's pretty awesome. And and then you, uh, you have a pretty successful executive level career outside of the Peace Love Studios, which we'll get into. Right. Um, as, as an executive, with uh, what, do you, what do you call it? What do you call it? What do you call it? Reflection. Okay, let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, like how does like how do you manage on a day to day basis? Right, like what you know? In, in my mind, I, I keep seeing the the uh, Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind. Yeah, when you're like, is there people standing behind me? And they just yeah. like there's this self check and balance that yep. you kind of implement. Um, even in the early stages, when you you know when you kind of first were diagnosed. You know, how did you process it on the on a daily basis or were you able to? Um, good questions. I mean, first of all, you know, when I you know, when I when I talk and speak, I tell people, you know, I you know, I was lucky and I paint a horseshoe. Right. Right. And the reason I was lucky is I got diagnosed. So, you know, um, I tell people I I was lucky because I had mental illness because none of this I wouldn't be sitting here across from you. Right. And having this great pleasure and this journey that I've got unless I was diagnosed. And, you know, my story is kind of that, that not despite, but because. Right. You know, things happen for a reason, you know, whatever that may be. And, and I think it translates into, you know, uh, the, the business and, and everything I do on a day to day basis, because, you know, like even on a on a day to day basis, you know, uh, you know, in the business world, we all have strategic plans and you right. know, with what you do, you're living and uh if there's any benefit, I'm kind of unflappable in the business world because, like, what the hell is going to bother me? Right, you know, right. I, I need a strategic plan to get through my day. Yeah. You know, so uh, there's kind of a, that advantage to it. No, and it's a, is it, well, it's, a, it's an amazing thing when you have this other layer of, you know, to-dos in your mind. I, I worked with a guy, probably one of the smartest guys I worked with, and, you know, eight, nine months into working, he's like, oh, I'm dyslexic, like right. severely dyslexic. Um, and he was misdiagnosed, right. you know, in fourth grade, placed in, the, you know, uh, a class. So, you know, I think about the idea of being misdiagnosed, right? Where 
either you don't get the attention at all or you do get the attention and it's the wrong thing. I think most people are, are afraid. Of, like the people that, that you encounter, you know, what do you find is the, I don't know, sort of how they receive their own illnesses? Um, are they are they afraid or are they, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, it's another really great question. I mean, we talk about it all the time. I mean, one in four people have a diagnosable mental illness. One and four. There's so four in this room. Right. So you guys don't have to oh, worry. No, I, got, okay. I got it covered. Uh, so you don't have to worry. <laughs> You're off the hook, Maria. Yeah, you guys are right. The, uh, <laughs> but the, the, what's staggering is that two-thirds of those people, two-thirds of us won't get, di- won't get help primarily due to stigma. Right. And that, that's criminal. You know, when I'm talking about stigma, I'm talking about self-stigma. And because uh, that's something that we can fix and we can correct. Most people, like I say, I'm lucky because I had a chance. I got diagnosed. Sure. Uh, what's scary is all the people that are out there that, that are suffering, uh, that are either improperly diagnosed, not diagnosed, or just, uh, you know, not uh, willing or um, have the courage to get that help. Uh, do you know the psychological mechanic of why art works? Right. What is it about the brush or just the materials and being in front of that canvas that actually eases, you know, the the illness? Uh, so let me let me get this uh, out. The as far as that answer to the question, because I <laughs> I was given a, a lecture the other day and somebody asked me, Jeff, can I ask you a, a science question? Very similar to what you right. did. And I my answer. Did was, I sound like that? Kind of. Yeah. OK. And uh, the, what I said is, first of all, let me say I can't even spell science. OK. <laughs> So, uh, you know, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not an art therapist, you know, I'm a nobody, just a guy who found relief right. in painting. And, uh, you know, I think that, that art in whatever its artistic medium is, whether it's music or sure. yoga, you know, uh, journaling, uh, whatever it is, there's something that goes on that allows people to escape and, and find that creativity that gives them some peace of mind. It's kind of like just going into the zone, right? Like, you know, I, I find like I have a couple of friends that are music producers. Yeah. And I feel like people that go deepest in the zone, like our music, you get, you know, you have the your monitors blaring and like I joke with them like there's this producers not especially if, you know, there's like beat heavy, um, you know, for me is kind of writing and coming up with creative concepts. Right. You know, and like. I will get lost and look up at the clock and go, oh, it is 730 <laughs> or whatever time it is. Um, and it's that, it, but it, it's an escape in and of itself, right? It's like for that period of time, I kind of just forgot about the issues, forgot about the problems. Yeah. I wasn't focused on any, like even eating at that point. In time. Yeah. I mean, and the, there obviously is a science behind that, which I can't, I can't speak to, but the, um, it's incredibly powerful. And that's where, you know, I talk a lot about uh, peace of mind. Right. And finding peace of mind, and I, 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 I find, and I'm sure a lot of other people do, that when they're in the act of creating, that they might get lost for a little while and, and find some of that, that peace of mind, even if it's for just that time where they're creating. Right. But, you know, even that, that time can be empowering to people. Oh, super. And, and it's, it's important to have. Um, I like your it's polka dots going on. You got polka dots on your, on your glasses, yeah, too. Yeah. Well, right. Everybody's styling in here. I, I can't, that's, I, that's my thing. It came underwhelming today. Um, so you kind of fast forward to um, Peace Love Studios and explain to the audience what that's grown, you know, from this, you know, the Santa Claus of painting. Uh, walk through the hospital with yeah. a bag of supplies yeah. to to, you know, what's kind of become a movement. Yeah. I mean, and it, uh, again, that, that kind of came about in another unpredictable way. You know, the uh, Discovery Channel had done a, a documentary 
Mm-hmm. That, that featured my story, and uh, my wife and I gave them, you know, complete access to our family for a few days, in the hope of trying to put a face on mental illness. Right. You know, around the same time in my life, I'm looking to figure out what, uh, you know, what's next in my life. You know, uh, and the piece aired a few months later, and uh, you know, the first time you watch it, you hope they do a good job, and I was really proud of of the piece they did, and it was rewatching it. You know, right. like the second, third time, I literally had kind of like an out of body epiphany. Yeah. And I'm looking at the screen and I'm, I'm pointing to it and I said, I want to be that guy. I mean, I want to be that guy. Pointing to yourself. Pointing to myself. I said, <laughs> you know, that guy, he's right. calm, he's cool, he's collective, he's kind of inspirational, motivational. Why can't I be him? Right. You know, and um, shortly thereafter, I kind of went to my dad and I think we all know parents can be uh, mm-hmm. embark some wisdom. And he says to me, son, he says, you know, I don't know what the heck you're going to do with your life, but you got to find what you're best at, you know, whatever it is. Right. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't have the answer. Because nobody's got the answer but you. And then I was in my studio shortly thereafter. And, you know, my studio is like I'm a mad scientist. And, you know, I got multiple canvases going on and different mediums and inspirational boards. And I kept pointing, painting this guy that is kind of my alter ego. And I I found these rings around my my head, right? Kind of like a target. Right. And I I kind of figured to myself, you know, I look at the outside ring, if you will, right? And I said, you know, I said, I'm a loving father, you know, son, brother, husband kind of empathetic guy, given my own struggles, you know, that, that target got a little smaller, Chris, that uh, someone was a self-taught artist. I knew the power of art because I lived it, you know, and then it got a little smaller, someone that was a mentor and a teacher. I couldn't imagine in a million years that I'd be either of those things. You know, it's just a guy that just showed up. Right. right? And then, um, I found kind of my bullseye. I said, uh, you know, not despite, but because of my illness, I said, hey, maybe I'm some guy that can, for whatever the set of reasons, uh, you know, has this this vision and can articulate and communicate a message of hope and acceptance on what I knew was a really tough issue. Right. You know, of uh, of mental illness. So I, my background is marketing. I didn't quite understand why uh, I knew cancer had a uh, pink ribbon, pink right. everything, right? Yep. And uh, <laughs> They had a yellow bracelet, you know, AIDS had product red. It seemed to me like everybody had something. Right. Everybody but the tens of millions of people like myself and their families to rally behind. So, uh, you know, I got a crazy idea. I said, you know, shit. I said, I'll go out there, you know, and maybe we try to make mental illness cool. Right. Not cool to have it. Not cool to <laughs> oh, have man. it. Oh, man. sure you're not cool to have it. <laughs> it's like Billy Madison when he pees in his pants. You're not cool unless you pee your pants. So, not cool to have it. <laughs> But cool to support it. Right. And, uh, you know, I painted this symbol that you see on our shirts. It's beautiful. Here, this yeah. peace, love symbol. And, you know, to the rest of the world, it's a combination of two icons, a peace symbol and a heart for me. I painted it 10 years ago and it was deeply personal. It was uh, peace of mind. Right. You know, what people like myself are so desperate for. What, I'm, I'm curious as, you know, why, like what drove you to stick with? I get, you know, you... It was your story and opportunity kind of knocked and then you you kind of marinated on it. And I think a lot of people sometimes miss that, those cues, right? Yeah. Like there's, yeah. you know, there's those things that are close to you and they either come relatively easy and you're like, it was like Jay-Z once said, you know, he didn't think what he had was a gift because it was easy for him. He was right. like, it was supposed to be hard. So, um, or you're like, oh, this will be the side thing and I'm going to continue to be an executive, right? Like right. Where, what... What was the thing that made you stick with it and like you, the, that knowing factor? Um, you know, I think that uh, for whatever the reason, there was a, I was attracted by multiple opportunities to do something right. significant, you know, with my life. 
and uh, you know I, I I saw this this opportunity and this this void this gap and I couldn't believe it existed and um, I didn't think what uh, the formula maybe other people were, were doing could work so I said why not why not me you know and I started yeah. and uh, you know I haven't looked back so what does uh, Peace Love Studios look like today, right? It's, um, you know, when I look at the website, there's a lot of offerings, products, events, services, people. Right. Um, kind of give us the a walkthrough, if you will. Yeah, I mean, basically you have, you know, two parts. You have uh, on one side of it over the last four years. Uh, we've de- what started with a, a program called Paint for Peace, which is what I stumbled on in that 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 uh, that hospital. We've developed a curriculum of like fifteen different expressive arts programs, ranging from um, you know yoga and journaling to music to expressive arts. That uh, we have uh, packaged in a curriculum that now we're getting ready to to pilot uh, and uh, take nationally, uh, which is what we always intended to do. Um, so you have a host of expressive arts to help people find peace of mind, which is what we set out to do. Right. And then on the other side, you have the building of that first, you know, positive symbol and uh, brand of hope uh, for mental health that uh, has never been done before. And that's being done through uh, partnerships and licensings with uh, with companies and corporations yeah. uh, to build that that symbol. So you have it in a, really in a parallel path. Right. Um, but the interesting thing is, you know, unlike a lot of organizations, um, one thing we're really proud about, it, it, it's one thing to build a positive uh, symbol and give people hope. It's another thing to provide them resources that can actually help them. So, you know, we set out to do both. Right. Simultaneously. And I, I think the statistic so far is you've helped 15,000 uh, yeah, we've plus. We've, yeah, we've. I think we've supplied uh, on a free basis about uh, twenty thousand, and uh, we've touched, I think, over ninety thousand people at this point. You know, so we've worked real hard, and again, we're. we're I touched over ninety thousand people, but I got arrested. So. Okay, well, that's, <laughs> so, um, you got different to, story. Hey, sorry. <laughs> the, uh, but what's exciting is, you know, when we, when we first set out to do this, um, you know, our. Our vision all along, myself and Matthew, was to uh, to be able, um, you know, art's very powerful. I don't have to tell you, you you, you live it. Um, and but the problem is, art's the first thing cut out of every budget. Yeah, you know, it's first thing cut out of the school budget, first thing cut out of the VA, first thing cut out of inner city schools and the boys and girls club. So you know, our our kind of take was, you know, you, you can have the best thing in the world if you can't get it to people. Sure. You know, how can you really help them? So we were always interested in how do we develop, you know, programming that someday that we can can touch millions of people. And, you know, I think now we're at the point after four years of really working hard to develop what I consider to be kind of a magical, you know, curriculum. Right. Uh, we'll get ready in, uh, I think, January of next year to, to pilot uh, those programs, uh, which will be the beginning of scaling it, hopefully, on a national basis. That's awesome. And then, I, you know, I look at... Obviously, you have a you're, you're business minded and marketing minded. As you grow this thing, right? It, it, you know, how do you pick and choose, right? Because there's always going to be like a plethora of opportunities on the table. There's going to be like people knocking on the door. Or you see that shiny thing over there, you know, and you have OCDs. Like, how do you stay? Like, how do you keep focused on like right, these are the three things that we're going to concentrate on and you know and build out? Because I even like I noticed this year you launched a the speaker series. Yeah. Right. So it's like, all right, 
that was that's that's your that's part of year four. Like it probably could have happened earlier, or probably could right. have happened later. Later. Um, so the guy holding his hand up, which would have been me, I'm I'm guilty, guilty over the last five years of of trying everything, and uh, you know the word no isn't in my vocabulary, right? And with that has come ramifications, probably. But uh, you know we've tried a lot of things, some that worked, some that haven't worked. Um, but how do you know what works when you're on a on a ground that no one's really tried to do before, uh, unless you try it yourself? And uh, so we've tried an awful lot of things, Chris. Right. And I think through that process now, uh, we've finally landed, as you say, on those 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 two or three initiatives that will allow us to to really uh, you know scale what we're doing and move that needle uh, like we always envisioned was possible. That's great. And now that you kind of have that vision kind of complete, you mentioned brands, right? And the show kind of skews a little bit towards marketing and opportunities like that. So, you know, when I see like a CVS on the website right. or, you know, these, these other partners, um, you know, I, I get that there's a philanthropic component right. or, you know, give back. So how do brands play in your space and, and why? Well, two things. I mean, we're a, a social, uh, you know, venture. We have a nonprofit and a for-profit. The, the uh, nonprofit is a 501c3, uh, which is where, Hopefully, millions of people will be the recipient of free programming. The for-profit is where the brand is built and the merchandising and the licensing sure. uh, that enable a our nonprofit to be sustainable. You know, the the uh, eight-year-old that spends fifty minutes with me yep. and tells me it's the best day of his life. What guarantee do I have that that's going to continue? There's a lot of other great causes, sure. uh, you know, and equally noble things as ours. But you know, if we can run a a profitable business, that allows us to do that. Um, so you've got. One of the things um, that we're adamant about is is bringing in corporations, uh, both um, on the philanthropic side mm-hmm. and um, the 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 for profit side. Right, you can come in uh, either way. You know, it, it's kind of like picture, if you will, this this net we cast. If you want to come in through the nonprofit door and, and provide yeah. you know funding for our programming, great. If you want to license the brand, that will allow us to provide you know free expressive art program to to kids. You come in that door. Do you have to filter, you know, as those brands and opportunities come to the table? Like, do you, you know, choosing which ones align in the right way? Like CVS almost makes sense, right? But let's say it were, I don't know, Coca-Cola or some other brand or, you know. Exxon, like wants to come in and do something like, uh, how does that, how's that? Play yeah, out? no, I, I think profiling those kinds of partners, you know, what we're doing at the, it's deeply personal. And I think we have a good intuitive sense of people that share our vision, uh, you know, for, for how to make a difference. And you have to find the right partners. And we've had yeah. some where, you know, we didn't get buy-in, uh, you know, from the top perhaps. And, uh, you know, looking for organizations that really understand one of our newest partners, Alex Anani. Mm, I saw that. Which is, you know, really, I think one of the, maybe the fastest growing retail brand in the in the country today. I mean, they've launched a, a piece of mind bangle uh, in May of this year, and it's, you know, wildly successful. And it doesn't surprise me because, you know, they bought in uh, from the top. They've uh, trained their employees. They include information on the on the cause inside the, the packaging. Oh, wow. uh, they've onboarded their own employees learning about, uh, you know, um, our movement. So, um, you know, they're all in. Right. Those are the kinds of partners that, that we're looking for to be able to do it. Do you feel like you're, you know, your um, the area of problem solving that you're involved in is 
I don't know. It, it's friendlier than most, than like the most issues, right? When people talk about, I don't know, like abortion or uh, sex trafficking or things like that, right? It's, is, is there something like, do you find it your, I don't know, you're kind of like the shine, the friendly thing. And is there any kind of guilt or reaction around that? Like there are other causes out there and like, uh, I don't know if, uh, <laughs> I haven't thought of it like that, right. but I think, you know, each each uh, cause and, uh, you know, great social kind of things that all of us are trying to do comes with its own nuances. You know, the nuance that we have to deal with, as I mentioned before, is kind of invisible and misunderstood, which brings its own right. myriad of issues. Right. You know, a lot of the other issues that you're talking about are things I think people can get their hands on. They can understand. They can connect to. Right. They can be appalled. They can be, you know, um, with ours. You know, it's it's a little more, you know, that's one of the nuances right. that, that we're dealing with. Um, so. And I think even with that, like, I, you know, also when I, you touched on something really interesting is this idea of like when you first encounter a, a cause or an issue, how you like how you feel when you when you um, when you encounter it. Right. So when you when I look at the Peace Love Studios website, like all the artwork is amazing. Right. It's, you know, sometimes you go to these things, and you're like, eh, it's OK. Or like the website's cheesy or there's something off that just does, like how do you ensure quality? You know, because um, I don't I don't assume that it's all all your artwork. No. Right. Um, and so you're helping tens of thousands of people and then you're going to, how do you pool in and go, all right, all right these are the ones that are, we're going to actually go with and, and make products with. Yeah. I think the, I think the powerful thing about, uh, what we're doing is, uh, you know, it's not about anyone or any artist. It's about everybody's work. And, you know, um, I could show you images from any class that I've been in, in any level, whether it's children, adults and pick images and they're all powerful in their own different way. And, you know, as we tell the world, those stories through those images. I think that's what people are connecting to. It's not about, uh, you know, famous artists, uh, even though they're part of hopefully our, our formula. Sure. Uh, but this notion that uh, it can be anybody, just kind of like the illness. You know, my thing is uh, mental illness can happen to anybody and everybody. Um, the same thing with art, art, you know, and a creative expression. You know, everybody can do it. It's not necessarily about the outcome. It's about the process. For right. Us. And I think that's therein lies, you know, kind of the formula that people can connect to. Uh, it makes it real. And, you know, as far as uh, thank you for the uh, the kudos on, on our site because we pride ourselves on. That was a really good looking site. Yeah. Like, and look, you know, we're, we're like anybody, you know, uh, you know, we're working with a, a small team with limited, uh, you know, resources. And as uh, people are joining us in different capacities, we're going to be able to ratchet up and do, you know, all the things that, that we wish we could do. Right. That are on that, that, that checklist to be done. So in your experience, how do um, how do how do art and business mirror each other? They seem very like two very different things, especially coming from one person. Yeah, I, I think one of the things is, you know, both, uh, you know, business and art both have a creative element, you know, to be successful. I think on the on the art side sometimes. Uh, and again, one of the things I feel empowering is I can control what's going on at least my own art right on the business side. Sometimes you can't control what's happening. You need to, you know, reactive. Certain, yeah. You need certain things to, to happen, uh, to be able to, uh, to push things over the line. And there, but then there's, I, I would imagine there's also like an improvisational aspect to art that applies to business, right? Like when you have to respond to those, you know, those moments, those, those oh shit moments that <laughs> happen in business and you, or like when you, as you're painting, you're like, you know, it is, it's improvisational. There's no question. I mean, the uh, 
when I'm with in, in the classroom or giving workshops, and I, I love when someone says to me, I said, wait, hey, so what are you working on? What are you thinking? And I said, oh, I have no idea. And I said, oh, I love it. That's me. <laughs> right. So I have no clue sometimes what I'm doing. I just go with it. And I think in general, as a society, one of the problems we have is we, we overthink yeah. everything. And I'm sure that if you talk to, uh, you know, creative people, that they will tell you that uh, there are times where they, they just lose it and they don't overthink. And that's when greatness in whatever shape or form comes right. to them. Uh, I think we'd be a, a lot better a society if uh, maybe we didn't think quite as much. Uh, as far as the people who have been through the program, I would imagine they're of all ages, creeds, we got uh, it. genders. Yep. You know, there are only two genders. Two <laughs> Thank you. Um, do do any of them have the do they you know do they want to follow in your footsteps and kind of go the professional artist route or do you find out they're lawyers and like this is a you know an outlet for them you know is there a sweet spot of per, you know personal professional interest? Yeah, I think it's all over the place. You know, we're dealing. You know, we're we're having programming uh, for for people away from kids that are in nursery school to. You know, eighty-nine-year-old uh, uh, men and women that are in advanced Alzheimer's unit. So it's right. all over the place, and I'm really proud of the fact that our program and what we're doing uh, has found its way into every demographics because the illness finds its way into every parts of our society. And uh, you know, and I think the art kind of mirrors that. You know, our thing. I think a lot of people, Chris, uh, don't believe they're artists, don't believe they can be artists, and our thing is you can do it. Right. And, uh, you know, that's certainly my story. I tell the kids all the time about, you know, that my own art career. And I don't tell them I'm proud of that, but I don't tell them so much for that. My point is, if I can do it, yeah, anybody can do it. It's so funny. You know? I was at a, at a creative retreat a couple of weeks ago. And um, toward the end, they gave everybody, it was probably like 150 of us. They gave us all like a, you know, a four inch by four inch tile. And it was like, paint on this. We're going to do a mosaic. And... I, like as soon as I'm like sitting down th- at the long table with my paint, like suddenly I'm nervous. <laughs> like right. I'm like, this is going to be awful. Like I just kept going on. And matter of fact, I was painting, painting along and then I turned it over and it was like, Oh, this side up. And I like had it completely <laughs> skewed on the side. And then, um, you know, come the, the end of it, it's actually, when I look at it in the murals, A, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Uh, B, uh, it actually looked pretty good. It, and you see the the kind of collaborative creation that happens. Um, what, what's that, what do you find that first step is like for, for people when, you know, when you walk into the room and you're like, all right, we're going to paint today. Yeah. One of my favorite questions. Thank you for asking that. The, because uh, when I start anytime, I tell people that uh, we have no rules. You know, I actually rip up the rules and throw them over my shoulder. There's no rules except have fun and make mistakes. Right. Right. Because true creativity comes when you make mistakes. And I think that in itself is empowering, you know, to people. And then we talk a lot about um, a blank canvas. You know, most people, you know, my gift to people is if I was with you, I'd hand you a blank canvas. Right. Right. And that would be my gift to you. And because it's funny, most Famous artist I've had a chance to work with told me one day, he said, you know what scares me most? A blank canvas. And what I found is that you know, <laughs> most people won't do what they, uh, what they dream of, what they can do, what they want to do in life because they're just scared to start. And, you know, when we put that blank canvas in front of people, we give them the permission and hopefully the inspiration and the hope to try it because everybody can do it. Right. That's great. Um, Simple. I want a blank canvas. Hey, I'll teach you everything I know in about four minutes. You know? 
Um, what's um, so you you do a lot of storytelling, right? Yeah. You hit the stage. You've been a TED speaker. Yeah. Tony Shea's downtown project. Yeah. Um, you know, numerous uh, occasions. Uh, what is storytelling like for you? Like what you know what. I know what, like what, yeah, what do people draw from? What do you want people to walk away with after hearing your experience, after you tell them, like, what Jeff Sparrow did? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that if if I'm doing it well, uh, I think people walk away after listening to me speak of understanding the hardships and challenges of uh, just a regular guy who could be anybody. Right. And um, and I think the other thing is hopefully coming out of that with some some hope that, you know, it can be changed around. Yep. Um, and I think also um, the notion of possibilities that, uh, you know, um, you can be dealt a, a lousy hand and uh, and try to turn that uh, turn that around and, and make something good of it. And I think the the stories that I try to share, Chris, you know, uh, try to give a flavor for people. You know, one of the things that's so helpful, um, you know, as I mentioned before, invisible and misunderstood is a really hard combination. Mm-hmm. You know, people, you know, people that suffer with mental illness, you know, also, uh, you know, the, it's the family plan, the spouses, the friends, the loved ones suffer. And I think hopefully if they can walk away with an appreciation as well of what it might be like to, uh, to, uh, yeah. to be challenged and suffer, but I think it helps both sides. Yeah. No, it's interesting. You even touched on that, but like, I. um, my my grandmother passed a couple of years ago, uh, but she had Alzheimer's. Yep. And so for a few of those years that she was suffering, well, I don't want to say suffering, but a few of those years she had the, you know, had Alzheimer's, my mom took care of her. And I, you know, they always say like it's more strenuous on the, the on the 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 person who's not afflicted. Yeah. Um. And so she ended up finding support groups and going to you know all, all a lot of different just resources that were out there to to help her cope. Um. Do you? Uh, although you're working directly with the people who have the illness, you talked a little bit about that ripple effect. You know, those couple of layers out. Like, how important is that to, to the? Well, I think it's critical, and I think one of the things that 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 peace love is doing that really is, uh, especially, you know, you know, it's more about, it's not just mental illness, it's mental health right. and mental wellness. I mean, you know, granted, in that instance, it's almost for everybody. It's for everybody. Yeah. And I don't mean to downplay, um, you know, um, a diagnosable mental illness, like someone like myself has, but every, th- there's a scale and maybe people aren't on a scale of someone that has a diagnosable mental illness, but you know, everybody's dealing with something. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, unfortunately, we don't live in a world where it's okay to have something and talk about it. Yeah. And what a, what a great place it would be if we could, you know, start conversations and people could talk about right. it. You're creating that Me Too moment, right? It's like, oh, me, like as soon as I I, did, I, I see myself in someone else or other people, I'm like, okay, it's cool. We um, When you and I met, we actually talked about the this Eckhart Tolle, Eckhart Tolle story where... Um, you saw the book, huh? I, I did, I did. Uh, but he tells a story about how, you know, when he was a student and uh, in college and he was on a bus and there was a homeless woman like just ranting and raving and like, oh, you, I can't believe you did this to me. And so like just going off. And he's like, he just became fascinated with her. And he, was, he, he watches her. The next thing you know, they get off at the same stop, which is he's going to school and he's like, oh my gosh, she's getting off at the same. And then they're heading in the same direction. And then eventually they veer off. And then he comes to a realization that the only difference between us and her is that she says it out loud right and then and we all have this like dialogue and right we all we can all benefit from a little peace peace and love and peace of mind um what did you want to be when you grew up when you were a kid 
with little 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 Jeff. Little Jeff? Oh, uh, maybe Matt should answer this question. You, he probably knows some stories. Uh, I was. I, I guess for a while I was. A, I was a pretty good athlete, so maybe I had uh, ideas of being a pro athlete someday. But that that came to a crushing blow uh, as I got my butt whooped at Ohio State. Uh, but uh, you can always go back. It's not, it's not too, it's, you can always go back. It's not too late. Can always go back. I had somebody ask me the other day a question during the Q and A, and they asked me. Look, I never had this question before. I said, Jeff, do you think your uh, athletic career uh, would have been different uh, if you, uh, you hadn't had this illness? I said, I never really thought about it, but to be honest with you, I still think I would have stuck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, anyways. Uh, so um, the show is called Innovation Crush. Right? You guys know that, yeah? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, it's basic. It's 101. Love it. Thank you. Uh, I like it, too. Um what out there do you see in the world that you're sort of crushing on? Like, is there, you know, something that you see and that's relatively amazing to you? It can, that can be in your own space. It can be space travel. I don't know. What is it? Food. It's a good question. You know, uh, certainly I'm uh, focused. Ladies. What? No. <laughs> I know it's funny. I was I was watching. Uh, I was reading about the innovative crush uh, coming over here, and I was thinking that, you know, when you want to make mi- big change on big subjects, you got to rip it apart and, and crush it, right? Because right? the the traditional things aren't going to work. So I really relate to your title of your show. Thank you. Because I think in a lot of ways, what we're trying to do on so many different uh, you know levels is just rip it apart and do it differently than it's been done you know sure. uh, before. Because uh, I do believe that, you know, um, it'll take big changes to take on big issues, yeah. you know, and uh, we've got our hands full on this one. I don't know if I, uh, I don't know, I think it'd be a heck of a better world, Chris, if if it was just okay to, you know, for people to, to have something and talk about it. That's true. You know, on every level. Very know? true. Seems pretty simple, right? Yep. But it affects us all every day. So the, uh, I ask this of everyone, um, complete this phrase for me. Innovation to me is, I like how nobody ever gets to the end of a show. Like when they like, oh, listen to a couple of shows. And that, that's always like kind of a surprise to people. <laughs> like how much did you li- actually listen? <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> uh, no, but innovation to me is. Uh, innovation to me is uh, trying, uh, you know, different uh methods and techniques that might not have been tried before to, to get a desired result that that uh, that maybe hasn't worked before. Nice. I like it. Does that make any sense? I think so. I'll have to go back and listen to it again, but no, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, do you approve? You're the marketing. Okay, great. Because we could, we could edit that. But no, <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Um, how can people find out more about you, the movement, your cousin and his socks? Um, All right. I go our, our website, uh, www.peacelovestudios.com. Um, and there's lots of different ways to, uh, to get involved on that. We'll, uh, we'll be launching, you know, uh, as I meant, uh, mentioned this year in January, this pilot program of our, our programming called Creators. Uh, in May, we host a uh, Peace of Mind speaker series, kind of uh, think of TED Conference for Mental Health. Which is another wonderful way for uh, for people to uh, to get involved. And uh, on our website, there's lots of different ways for people to uh, to join us. It's pretty awesome, you know, because uh, we need everybody. That's great. Uh, I would like to start a band with you called OCDC, if, if that's okay. That's pretty good, OCDC. Yeah. I've not, I haven't. I, I, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I don't play anything, but, uh, but well, well, you realize. Well, no, in the OCDC, we'll play the same song. We'll only have one song, <laughs> right? And it'll be yeah. we'll keep playing that same song. Yeah, right? the, we got to get this right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, thank you. This has been another uh, exciting episode of Innovation Crush. Thanks, Jeff, for joining us. Oh, thank thank you, you, Matt, Chris, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger. I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and 3 comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.